Hey everyone, this is Evelyn, and this is episode number 33, Panic Attack City. Today I want to talk to you about uh, what it's like a little bit to have a panic attack and discuss something that I'm going through personally, and the way that I'm looking at it, because I realize that not everybody sees situations the way that I do, and that's why this podcast is so useful, and it's so special to so many people, and when I started it a long time ago, I had the intention of making a difference in people's lives, and I had a whole schedule planned out for today, and what this podcast was going to be totally something different, and I was discussing it with my family, and they had suggested that... I talk about what's happening right now and how I'm looking at it because it's made a difference in my life in the last couple days and I think that it's going to make a positive change going forward and if anybody is listening that is experiencing something like this or you feel like you're going to be experiencing something like this or maybe something happened to you in the past that oftentimes will come up when you're not expecting it. Maybe some of my words today will help you try to get through that. So, 16 years ago, I had uh, left my home uh, for a new life. Uh, Not needing a new, big, better life, just needing a difference. And I moved to a different state that I'd never been to before, to a town that I'd never been to before, obviously. And I decided I was going to make a life for myself on my own. I had experienced a series of loss. I'd lost my father, I'd lost my cousin. I'd lost a lot. And I just kind of wanted to rip the band-aid off of life and just kind of take it by the horns. I just got out of college and there was always this big, you know, stigma around college. Like, you know, is the education worth it? Is the time that you spend there worth it? You know, are you learning everything that you're supposed to be learning? And I felt like I was ready. I had all of the education behind me to start an amazing career and it's so funny how at that age you feel like you've got all of life figured out and you really have to experience the social life like the norms of what happens outside of the textbook and this was my opportunity to do that and you fantasize about what this life is going to be like right you're going to you know be able to wake up at 5 a.m. every day and work out for two hours and then you're going to be able to go and do this and then you're going to go to the job of your dreams you're going to work it all day and you're going to make a million dollars it's going to be amazing and um life comes in the way and it starts to teach you all these lessons and they feel like hardships but really it's just life giving you the elbow nudge to say hey it's not the way that it gets painted on the canvas. It's not the way that, you know, you are imagining it to be. Now, that's not to say that it's not amazing in every way that's built for you and your spirit and who you are and your soul and and the trials and tribulations that are in front of you and how they don't build your character and and make you into the person that you are today. But they're just not 
ideal platforms, right? You know, you are influenced by all of these outside opinions and, you know, people who have said, oh yeah, this is what you're gonna experience here, this is what you're gonna experience there, this is gonna happen. It doesn't always go like that, right? And so very early on, I had to condition myself to understanding that with all of these hardships that come along as you're moseying up away, and you know, you've got these celebrations and these amazing items that fall into your lap also. Uh, but that your expectation needs to be flexible, right? Because having a flexible expectation is setting yourself up for success right it's it's kind of building that foundation so that no matter what direction whatever your expectation takes you in you're prepared mentally right well in doing this i i ended up getting my very first apartment that was by myself solely by myself i i went and i talked to the you know real estate person and i signed the lease all by myself and i had the money in a sock you know, I had worked and worked and worked and saved tips and tips and tips to try to, you know, get this place on my own. I had originally moved down, you know, to this place without anything, with just my backpack and my car. And uh, I chose the place I was going to live by putting, you know, a marker in the phone book it was one of a couple different options that I'd had I knew that I wanted a completely different change and one of my friends that I'd been friends with all of my life still very close to uh, had lived in this place and said to me do you want to change a life you want to wake up where you know the sun is shining every day and it is amazing here it's a totally different world blah 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 blah, blah. and that's exactly what I needed that was the recipe that I was looking for in my life and so I got my own place and everything was great and I bought my own furniture and, and, you know, I was sitting on this furniture and I found silence, lonely silence. I was totally okay with being alone. I've always been the kind of person that is pretty independent. I go out to eat by myself. I go, you know, before pandemic, I went to the movies by myself. I am, you know, pretty cool with, you know, going to a festival by myself, whatever, you know, I need, I need to do. I never knew that it was not, you know, comfortable for some people to do things by themselves. Uh, but as I sat after, you know, weeks and they turned into months and whatnot, and I had this great apartment and everything was brand new inside and crisp because I bought everything from scratch. I had no idea what money items and finances were at the time. I was just excited, you know. But I I sat in this place and it was quiet and it was it was lonely and I decided that I wanted to adopt a pet. I didn't want to buy a pet from some sort of farm or, you know, mill of some sort where these animals were massly produced. It's just not who I am. I, I you know, want to rescue everybody. I want to rescue people. So I can't imagine not rescuing a a pet and I decided that I wanted to get a dog because I needed a I needed a 
companion that was going to be um, constantly communicating with me. Uh, not saying that other animals don't communicate with you, but I needed like a heavy set of paws to, you know, hop on my lap. And I just was looking for some somebody that was going to keep me company and, and keep me safe because unconditional love needs a podcast all of its own. I'm telling you, like, you know, with every relationship that you have with every person in life comes some sort of conditions, right? And so this was something that I, I didn't realize that I needed in my life. It was a an empty, an emptiness that I didn't realize needed filled until I um, got a call from the Humane Society and I waited, I waited weeks because uh, I knew I wanted a Cocker Spaniel because I'd grown up with Cocker Spaniels and I knew their temperament. I knew how to take care of them. You know, I just, I knew that's what I wanted. My whole family had their each, each had their own Cocker Spaniel at the time. And I got a call from the Humane Society and they said, you know, Evelyn, we have been searching for weeks and have not been able to find, uh, what you're looking for we have one animal and you know we're actually about to euthanize her uh she doesn't get along with everybody she's mean she's sharp as a tack she's she's smart and she's mean and nobody can take care of her because she won't let anybody in the cage she's not eating she's not drinking um and she's got tumors all over her face and all over her uh legs she's not fixed but she is a Cocker Spaniel, and it would not be right for us not to tell you about her. And I said, uh, well, how old is she? And they said, she's, she'll be two. And I said, well, what's her name? And they said, Goldie Hawn. And I just happened to love Goldie Hawn, the actress. So I said, you know what? I'll see her. I'll come down. I'll come down and I'll see her. And they said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. And so I came down to the Humane Society and uh, walked down the long hallway of, you know, barricades or cages. And we made eye contact and that was it. It was history. We were We loved each other from the moment we laid eyes on each other. And the Humane Society said, look, if you want her, we'll do the surgeries for free. We'll remove all of her tumors. We will fix her. We will do everything and you can pick her up in two weeks and we'll even knock 50% off of the price that you would pay. Um, I don't even remember how much it was. Uh, if you agree to adopt her. And I was like without a doubt absolutely and if you guys could have seen this dog I mean she looked like like she belonged in a Ripley's believe it or not she you know was just overcome with these tumors and and you know it was a disease that she had had and um, I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine uh, walking out of there and not saving this dog the, the tumors were non-cancerous and the dog didn't snap at me or anything just just completely attached the her energy to me is immediately after walking in and seeing her so 
two weeks went by. They did all the stuff. I went to go pick her up, and uh, they, you know, they gave me an introduction before I could see her. They said, look, she looks kind of bad. She's covered in all of these bandages. She um, is out of it. Uh, But understand that over the next couple weeks, you're going to be taking care of her. And she's bonded to you already, but she's really going to bond to you now because you're healing her. Like, not only are you the leader of her pack, but you are healing her. And so they gave me a bunch of medicine and all kinds of directions on how to do the medicine and everything. And I worked in the restaurant industry at the time, so I could make my own schedule, which was pretty fantastic. Um, I was you know, a little bit of a a higher up in the company server, you know, if, if you can be that. And so I got to, you know, I was really close to my manager. I got to tell them this is what's going on and this is when I'm going to be able to work. This is when I'm not, et cetera. And they were cool with it. Um, so I brought her home and she slept on my shoulder the entire way home. And over the following weeks, I took care of her and started to be able to take bandages off and started to really see um, the progression in her. And it was phenomenal. I felt so complete in my life, like that I had done something so amazing by adopting this dog that was going to die. And then, you know, I I ended up taking care of her after her surgeries. And here she turned out to be such a nice dog like she was you know people were coming in and seeing her that I'd made friends with since I'd moved here and you know it was just a wonderful experience all the way around because now I had a purpose you know I was working I had this beautiful place and now I was taking care of something and it was enlightening for me it was a very cosmic experience that I don't think any amount of money could pay for if I was a trillionaire I couldn't mimic this feeling right of completion well um when the bandages all came off and the tumors were all removed she was gorgeous she had hair that glistened in the wind she had thick beautiful mane type thickness to her hair that you know was majestic in essence it was amazing and her personality was just what my just what I needed in my life and we were ride or die sisters (laughs) we did everything together we started traveling she loved the car she loved to swim she loved to hunt she loved to do everything well um through moves and homes and car situations and swimming in the ocean and swimming in the most beautiful rivers and creeks and lakes and you know making ourselves house guests at many different relatives houses and homes we settled uh into a lifestyle about 10 years ago that was very very family oriented um it was my love uh and his children and uh we adopted another dog uh that we had found on the side of the road which is a totally different story i'm not sure if i've ever mentioned it but i will someday and myself we bought a home and she loved it it would gave her room to run 
and you know she was loving the different personalities in the house and you know she really grew close to um you know myself and um my partner and you know everything in our home she just became a part of the home and uh her life along with our life had changed she wasn't um we weren't traveling as much obviously we weren't swimming as much together we weren't um you know taking long rides in the car where she could put her head out the back window that wasn't an option she started to get older you know um basic you know expected items that happen whenever you get old you know but she still was sweet temperament uh, very attentive uh part of my every move it was almost like a part of me had to answer to her at some point to make sure that it was okay that I continue cooking in the kitchen like she would stop me on my way into the kitchen and I would always be like what you know because after you have an animal for so long you start to have this relationship with them where you're just like you know uh because you you know sometimes that they're stopping you because they want to drink or they're stopping you because all of a sudden they have to go outside and they can't tell you with their mouth right anyway a couple days ago um I had I had started experiencing some troubles with her and I tried to take care of her for a couple days and um, it was rapidly declining at, to the point where like neighbors and things were starting to notice a real big difference in her and I knew that the time was coming where I was going to have to make this horribly hard decision uh, where it was time to stay or it was time to go and being a spiritual person as I am I meditate very often I talk about it on this channel a lot and I have different experiences when I meditate where I make connections with the other side and I am not psychic by any stretch of the imagination I don't even trust my own intuition to be honest my intuition is a collaborator with my imagination and that always sends me into a different path than what my expectation is Uh, Obviously, if uh, you tuned in for the beginning of this podcast, you know that Um, my imagination is so creative uh, when it comes to stories and storytelling and uh, that when my intuition is kicking in, I can't tell the difference of whether I'm imagining that something is going to happen and that's the panic or if it's actually my gut saying, hey, you might want to you know, look both ways before crossing that street. I can't tell the difference. I wish I could. Um, At any rate, I could feel spiritually as though something very challenging was going to come for me and I needed to be mentally prepared for it. Now, at this time, she was still running around. She was still her same self, eating, drinking normal, uh, going to the bathroom normal, the whole thing. And um, I tried to fool myself into thinking that it was just something temporary. And so I went out and I bought all this stuff and I was, you know, trying to prolong the inevitable. And then I came to a realization. Uh, She was having trouble breathing. She was having trouble standing uh, on her 
all four legs. She was having trouble seeing. Her eyes had filled with this horrible stuff. I, I can't even describe it. It was that terrible. The stuff, the mucus was in her eyes, and I couldn't wipe it out fast enough. It was reoccurring. She couldn't go to the bathroom. She couldn't go, you know. I mean, it had gotten overnight to such a point that I knew what I had to do. And... um in the meditations that I've done and in the exercises that I've completed with all of the books that I have read and the conversations that I've had with spiritualists, the videos that I've watched with people who do talk to people from the other side and animals, I had learned about this crossover and in my head, it seemed as though uh, the preparations for this would have taken much longer. I, I didn't know that it would be a couple day scenario where I had to make a move and I just went into autopilot and autopilot for this situation was kind of crazy because when you love something or someone to the extent at which I love her, you know that pain is not an option. Pain is not an option. It is whatever I have to do to get you out of pain is what I'm going to do. So I went into autopilot and without shedding a single tear and this energy coming through me that was like a pillar of strength, I scooped her up. She was sleeping and she was hyperventilating, struggling to breathe while she was sleeping. And in the depths of her breath, I could hear liquid I scooped her up and I grabbed her favorite blankets and I grabbed her favorite toys and treats and everything you can ever imagine and we ran downstairs and I put her in the back of the car and as soon as I started the car I saw and and I heard a feeling of almost relief on her part. Uh, She hadn't made a sound in quite a long time and uh, other than the heavy breathing of course and I, did, I got an appointment that was the whole way across town. So every single stoplight, I was checking on her to make sure she was still, in fact, breathing. That's how close I knew that we were to the edge of this massive cliff that we were about to jump off together. And I got to the veterinarian and I told him, you know, again, I was very strong, a lot stronger than what I ended up being post-experience and... I let him know that, you know, what was going on, yada, yada. Cut to about an hour later, we found out through x-rays and whatnot that she had stomach cancer and that her polyps that she had developed from the stomach cancer had burst. The infection had gone through her body and it was very parallel to what I experienced with my diverticulitis years ago. I had gotten an abscess that had burst in my sleep and we had had Goldie licensed as a support animal to identify if there were any differences in my breathing while sleeping so that we could expedite me to the hospital if I had an abscess burst in my stomach. And here, ironically, here I was doing this for her. So... I asked the doctor what his medical advice would be and he let me know that it was time to say goodbye and that he would give me five minutes because there was no more that they could do. And during those five minutes of very difficult conversation, she was losing consciousness in my arms and 
I was telling her what a difference she had made in my life and how I was going to pass her to the people that had passed away and how, you know, there will never be another her, you know, and that everything that she was able to bring to my life, like I could not believe in reflection how much amazing memories this object had brought in my life. And I call it an object because uh, I tried to, I, I tried to have her um, represented uh, one time. Uh, I took her to get groomed and they accidentally cut off her tongue. It was, it was years ago. And they sewed it back on and tried to, like, get away with not letting me know. They cut off her tongue. And I found out about it. And I called some lawyers to be like, what are my rights here? They cut off my dog's tongue. And the, and the lawyer said, a dog is an object. And so we can't really represent a dog, you know. Um, that was at that time. And like I said, it was years ago, probably 11, 12 years ago. And so what a difference and I'm holding her and, and she's, she can't see anymore and she can't hear me. Um, but in my heart, I believed that she had already been gone. Well, the difficulty came in the silence that encompassed my life after I left that veterinary clinic that day. Very, very short time ago. Um, it, it was the day before yesterday and I would say probably harder than making the decision to, you know, put her in the arms of the angels is the silence that comes afterwards. And I've discussed it with my family and, you know, I'm trying to find the lessons in this. I'm trying to find the reasons why something like this happens to somebody in their life. Because I know that with every obstacle of pain that anybody is to go through comes a incredible life lesson that teaches you so that you can teach others and helps to make a difference. And with this podcast in making a difference and being our best selves, it falls into line with grief and death and I've covered it in the past of episodes in this podcast because of the coronavirus and unexpected death you know and this was kind of an opportunity for me to discuss with the audience expected death and recovering the unknown from a lost love and what that transition looks like, what it sounds like, what that experience is like, and maybe you're listening and you can relate. I learned a lot about pet grief over the last two days. I understand that uh, I was right and the pet actually is starting to leave their body way before they physically do so. I also found out that uh, there's this thing called the Rainbow Bridge, and uh, it is the, you know, conjunction between uh, our world and heaven uh, for pets. And I thought that that was pretty spectacular as well. I watched a lot of TED Talks. I watched a lot of videos on uh, animal communicators, which I was telling my family and I was laughing a little bit. Uh, two days ago, I thought animal psychics were, you know 
kind of crazy because pets don't talk, right? So how are they sending you messages? I don't get it. Now I think they're absolutely genius and um, I'd love to meet one someday. I have gone through bouts of hysterical crying uh, that last quite a while. Uh, that's that's why I'm making this episode is to highlight those feelings of panic and hyperventilation and anxiety and Another thing, and the, and the most important thing that I've learned over the course of the last two days is that it's normal and it is healthy. And I think that that's the lesson, one of the lessons to be learned preliminarily. I think that there's a, a whole yarn ball of lessons that are going to come from this situation that there's no way that any one or five or ten podcast episodes could ever cover. But a silver lining of all of this is that um, the panic anxiety, the panic tension, the, the panic attack, the panic city is natural for this experience. And it allows your mind and your body to process the loss of something that you loved so greatly. And it allows you to identify those holes that it left of loneliness, maybe, and gives you the gift of being able to fill those holes with something else. And I don't think that I'm ready to um, adopt another dog anytime within the near future. We have another dog and, and, you know, my partner is expressing the same grief that I am. He, uh, you know, has been in my life for 10 years uh, and Goldie and I had already had a six year life together when we met him, but he immediately became her father and uh, she fell in love with him she she followed him around as though she was protecting him as well she uh had made the choice to be in this life for whatever reason and she had released herself from this life because she knew that the job that she came here to do was completed and I find something so mystical and cosmic about that and because I take life's challenges so greatly and I experience them to such an a relentless Uh, effect that I I explore things and I analyze them and I want to know why they're making the differences that they're making and what lessons there are to be learned. I am completely blown away by the spiritual aspect of what power a relationship from an animal or a person can have as an effect on another human being. And I can only hope to have the kind of impact on others as Goldie had had on me. I um, am going to come out of this a stronger person. I think I already have. And I've already started identifying some of the changes in myself that make me proud of myself that have happened over the last couple days. And if that's not growth, I don't know what is. And as I said before, it will continue to come to realizations that will give me and I hope give others uh, the opportunity to identify those those stepping stones in becoming your best self, becoming more confident, becoming the person that you're going to be, and understanding that it's something so much bigger than the loss, so much bigger than the bad day, so much bigger than the bad situation that you found yourself in. There is something happening on the background that you don't see, that I don't see. And it's something that 
is strengthening your will. It's, you know, testing your abilities to shine. And it is teaching you lessons in the background to perfect the person that you were supposed to be and to take care of the items in your life that you were meant to take care of. And I will forever be grateful for the experience that I had with her and I hope to have many others. I can only hope that anybody who has panic or anxiety or experiences this depth of pain that comes on suddenly, that comes on very frequently, you know, that you understand that it's for a purpose. It's not happening for no reason. There is a lesson to be learned every time you find yourself in Panic City. You are contributing to something so much greater. Look for those lessons. Look for the lessons. Understand them. Teach yourself how to be your best self from the lessons that are coming from these experiences. Move forward. Try not to look back unless it's in pure joy of what you're looking back on. And use that ability use that experience to make the tough decisions because I promise you you will be stronger for it I've gone a little bit over my time but I think it was worth every minute every second I hope that you have a wonderful and amazing morning afternoon and night until the next time